what I learned from that exercise is there's always going to be something we don't like. There's always going to be something that maybe we don't agree with, but how can we keep the focus on what we appreciate and what we enjoy? And when we do that, that changes our communication, our tone, the way we show up, our overall presence. And that leads to just a team that thrives in that. I'm Brian Kramer. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is making smaller shifts. It's the small shifts in our lives that can create epic outcomes. Your journey to be more deeply connected into the life you truly deserve starts right now. Welcome to Humanly Possible, a podcast focused on small shifts that can make epic differences in our lives and at work. I am so excited to introduce our guest, who is someone I admire and have actually had the pleasure to meet at a conference. And actually, it turns out we live, I don't know, two miles away from each other. Uh, and uh, I'm so honored to now get to uh, introduce her. Her name is Val Reese. She's the founder of Executive Muse. Muse. Say that uh, five times. It's the easiest word to say. Uh, How many people have muses in their life? You should have one. And she's the one you want. She's a leadership uh, trainer and and owns a coaching company and the author of Chief Inspiration Officer, How to Lead the Team Everyone Wants to Be On. Hundreds of companies, small and large, like Facebook, Citrix, Citrix and Gonzaga University have partnered with Val to transform their culture, increase employee engagement, and develop their leaders. Val, thank you so, so much for being here with me today. I'm super excited to be able to talk to you about, uh, oh, I don't know, we're going to get into all kinds of things like leadership and humans and why humans are who they are and how to discover their own leadership and the psychology of humans. And oh my gosh, we're just going to get into it all. But first things first, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Brian. I'm so happy we've reconnected. <laughs> and, I know. and to find out that our my kids go to the same school as your kids and or actually that you went to growing up. That's just, that's so serendipitous and wild for me. I And I'm so happy that we can do this together. Yeah, we, it's not often that um, it's well. It, it's so serendipitous, like you said, and all. And the six degrees of separation is just radical to pull up a word from from our our age. Um, so I am uh, going to dig right in. Here we go. What's one thing that felt small for you at the time, but it ended up being a big shift for you? Yeah. Well, I remember when my team. I was promoted into management. My team wasn't doing so well. And I, I remember feeling so, so much frustration. Uh, I was in a leadership position, a sales management position, and I was responsible for about 12 people and they had to hit their goals and just things weren't, weren't working. And I remember one day sitting on my, living room floor. And I just took out a journal and I started writing everything that was on my mind, all my frustrations, all my fears, my worries about not producing, being fired, 
and and then all my frustrations towards my people, like they're being lazy and they're not doing the job right. And it was in that moment, that just small exercise of releasing all of these things that I was consciously thinking. And some of them are, I was consciously aware of, but a lot was a subconscious like brain dump on paper. It was in that moment that I realized that if I'm walking around with all these negative, frustrating thoughts, uh, then how can I be as inspirational, as impactful, and as effective as I wanted to be? And that small shift led into really big results afterwards. Wow. So what, um, what, how does that have an outcome or the shifts that then followed in your life? Yeah, it, it helped me recognize the power of reframing and flipping the script, so to speak. Uh, afterwards, what I did was I took every statement and I, even if I could find just 1% good. So for example, if I said, oh, my employee is just lazy, I would, I would look at that and say, yeah, but you know what? This employee is knowledgeable and has experience in the industry. And if I wrote, oh, my company isn't being as competitive as the other, as our other comp- competition is being with the products, I would say, yeah, but we focus really um, carefully and intently on research and development and quality. And what I learned from that exercise is there's always going to be something we don't like. There's always going to be something that maybe we don't agree with, but how can we keep the focus on what we appreciate and what we enjoy? And when we do that, that changes our communication, our tone, the way we show up, our overall presence. And that leads to uh, just in a team that thrives in that. And that's what that led to, that, that just that one exercise on my living room floor. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So um, what, I'm, just for yourself, what is it that you simply love about the work of team um, or being involved in, um, I, I don't want to say the word teamwork or work of team, um, however that lands for you. Why is that? Yeah, I, I feel, I mean, I've definitely had my fair share of leaders I didn't love. And I, I know the impact that that had on me and, and I'm a pretty self-driven individual. So if, if I'm feeling the impact and my engagement dips a bit, when I'm surrounded by a leader or leaders that aren't very inspirational, motivational, don't communicate well, then imagine how it is for everyone else around me. And it dawned on me that we spend a third of our lives at work. Um, and that's, that's, you know, from infancy till, you know, till the end. Right. But so that's a third of our lives, but then there's 58% of our adult life that's at work. And if we're not happy, that stinks. That's our, that's our quality. Why are we here? Right? Like, why are we, why are we put on this planet? So what excites me is the idea of teaching leaders how to get the most out of people so that their time at work is enjoyable. 
it's it's valuable. Um, and that just helps the customer, that helps the company, that helps them intrinsically. That gets me really excited. Yeah. Well, you just got me excited. I was, I was like, oh, how, how does this, um, how does this then, uh, start to become something that we, we can now cr- create, uh, more impact around, um, at, at any company? And what, what are the steps involved that, that you see that, um, I'm sure you even outline in, in your awesome new book. Uh, that you, that you see that are, are they even repeatable or is it that you have to go into a team each time and, and say, okay, let's, let's, we got to gather around. We got to see, you know, every what's there. What is it that we're working with first? And then we got to, we got to outline the process and customize it. And then we got to, you know, figure it out. And, and, and we're dealing with humans here. Humans every time are different. We're all emotional and we have different responses and we, our psychology is different as I'm, I know you're way into. And, uh, and so, so is it repeatable? And how do you even approach a human response to all this stuff? Yeah. I think it's, I think it's repeatable and I think it can be taught. I think we all have different gifts. So as a leader, what I want to do is help you celebrate and recognize what your gifts are and also help you recognize where there's opportunities to get more from your people. I think it really comes down to four things, which yes, I outline in the book, but I think the the first thing is you have you have to understand yourself. If you can inspire yourself, then you'll be able to inspire others. So if you can recognize your pitfalls, when you get overly frustrated, angry, defensive, if you can recognize those patterns, then you're able to flip the script and shift those things so you can show up and be as as inspirational as possible. So that's the first thing. The second thing is knowing what your team is craving. Um, and as luck would have it, I break it down into an acronym that I actually call CRAVE. Uh, they're craving connection, reliability, appreciation, to know that their work has value and effective communication. Those are all things that we can be more mindful with. We can change in the way we show up. So for example, with reliability, if, if maybe you're not getting back to people on time, um, those are things we can just be more mindful of. Because when you are recognizing the things that people crave, you naturally will give them more of what they need. And in return, you'll get more of what you need. So that's the second thing. The third is getting really clear with what you want, what your vision is, what your ideal attributes are. And then the the, the fourth thing is mastering the art of challenging conversations. If you can communicate your vision even in the toughest of scenarios, then you have a team that knows the direction you want to take them in. They're all on the same page and you get better results. So I think it breaks down to those four things and all four of them can be learned. Is this something that uh, got harder uh, virtually, like in the pandemic and as we grow, uh, as we grow teams that are now having to work remote and constantly having to reinvent and innovate and 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 design a new way of thinking is this is this going to challenge a, a, a new 
way of being with each other or is, is, how does this, how is this all going to work? Yeah, I think being a, a virtual sales manager, I did, when I had a team of 12 and they were all across the country, all these tools I was naturally already doing remotely. So I think they can be done. I, I, I think it's, it just feels awkward, right? Cause we're not used to it. We're used to the face to face in the office setting where we can get in front of a whiteboard. So I think once we get over that discomfort, it can work. Uh, it just, and I think we're there. I mean, I think, I think it's been long enough now where people are just getting used to being on, on, on Zoom or being in a hybrid type of setting at work. But, um, I, I think it's okay. And I think we will be okay. But it does require us to get a little bit more creative. Um, especially, for example, like the connection piece of Crave, where it's sometimes easier to connect with people when you see them. So you just got a little get more creative on like, let's say a virtual call with a team where everyone wants to have their camera off. <laughs> yeah, it can work. Well, let's go into the challenging conversation and go deep into that. That's the one that I think you kind of went, you, you went over it, but it, it's, it, it's, it's almost every day. I would, I would sense, uh, it, it could be like a range of, you know, a challenging conversation could be like a light challenge or a very heavy challenge, depending upon the person or people. Uh, and the approach I, I know, uh, in my career and, and in everybody's relationship or people could be different. Um, what, what do you, do you prescribe, uh, an approach that, that you, you see works every time, most of the time or some of the times? I do. I have a three-step formula. I have refined this in all the years that I've been doing this. I've tried this on my teenagers. I've seen it work in very difficult family situations. I've seen it work uh, when you're trying to talk to your boss, when you're trying to talk to a coworker uh, or, or somebody that is on your team. Uh, the three-step formula, do you, do you want me to break it down what it is? <laughs> It's totally up to you if you'd be willing to share it. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's um, so the, the before I do, okay, before I do, I want to just set set the stage that it's easier to go into conversations that are difficult, maybe heavy, if at first your emotions aren't the ones taking over. Uh, and that's why that first part of the book is so important because if if you're in um, what I call this metaphorical cave, so to speak. You're stuck in this cave where you feel a little trapped and you see the light, but yet you're you're feeling that heaviness, that darkness about what's happening. It is harder to go into a challenging conversation because you're so immensed uh, in, in your own emotion, right? Fear, frustration, worry, guilt. So if we can diffuse some of that it will help you go into those challenging conversations with more neutrality, which is going to ensure that the other person doesn't get defensive or um, or shut down. So that's the first thing to consider. And the second thing is how safe do people feel approaching you? Um, if if you're on edge all the time and you're curt and you're short, and that's just your natural tendency, then um, it might not feel safe for people to open up. So we want to create some sort of approachability. So just to say those things first is important. Once you do that, my three-step formula is thoughts, 
fears, hopes. And that's really just to give you an idea in your mind of what to, what to say. Um, and of course, still make it authentic. So for example, your thoughts aren't your judgments. Like you stink. Your thoughts are, um, for example, I'm noticing that, uh, when we have meetings, you arrive 10 minutes late, right? It's more of a fact. It's more of what you're seeing, what you're observing. Then you go into your fear. Now I use the word fear because that is really at the end of the day, when we have a worry or concern, um, what prompts us to feel that emotion inside? Because we might fear that if let's say we use this example, somebody's not coming in on time, they're missing, they're missing quality um, information. Um, it's disruptive. And the worry, the fear is that um, it's going to take away from the experience of the meeting. So we share our thoughts, we share our, our fear or or at least the emotion of what we're concerned with. And then we share our hopes, uh, what we hope to see instead. And that's, hey, I, I hope that you can get a handle on your schedule and that you could arrive even two to three minutes sooner. And if you just use that model, um, and that's a pretty lighthearted conversation, but if you use that model, what we're doing is we're removing judgment. We're, we're, we're talking about it from our perspective. And from there, we're moving it forward with a hope and what we would like to see. So we, we get some progress with the conversation. And from there, we're inviting the, the other person to share their thoughts, hopes, and fears, right? And then we get to listen and, and then it, we, we can engage in quality dialogue. Uh, so that, that's like the, the easy part of the, of the formula. Um, what also, uh, I discuss is now what do you do if somebody's not following through, right? Um, so you may want to at that point invite them to, um, take some ownership in the conversation. And you may need to um, say, this has been repetitive. What are you going to change about it? Because we've been talking about this for a while now and nothing's changing, right? Um, or is it something that you have to do on your end and you have to have some offering to, to say, what if we had, what if we gave me, what if we ended meetings, let's say at 10 of to give you time to get to your next meeting, right? Maybe it's something we need to do as leaders. So, so we, we share our thoughts, fears, hopes, and we either offer something or we ask for something. And that I have seen Brian work over and over again in even the most challenging of scenarios. Um, and I give more, more examples, of course, in the book, but. That's the, that's the high level overview you just got. <laughs> oh, that's a great example. I, I love it. And what I love about that is that, um, you've removed the, uh, the, the you statement, um, and putting the, putting it, the onus on the other person and saying, you have done this. 
you are doing this. You, you, my problem is with you. And, and by saying, by removing that, you're, you're, you're still stating the, the challenge, but you're, you're, you're putting it into how are we, how we're going to solve this, uh, together and then creating, creating an agreement of what we're going to move forward with. Um, and, and the challenge, uh, still, might be there on how the agreement will happen again and how you're going to create that again and again and again because we're human again right so this might happen again and again and again and again now at some point there might be a firing or a letting go of um in and that could happen have you seen that and and is there like you've you've moved your way toward these these conversations they're hard conversations to have and as you're having them over and over and over it it just gets to the point where you're like you know how many of these can we have yeah i've seen that and and so at the end of the formula when you're when you're offering to help you really only do that if you you truly feel that by doing that you will get more action and result I do think too often leaders put themselves in a position where they take the burden from the employee and then the leader feels overwhelmed and burned out constantly. So when you're, I'm not, I'm not saying to offer all the time. I do think there's the ownership piece at the end of the conversation, which is what will you do differently? Right. And that's really where you can use the word you. If you use it too, soon in the conversation, you you can get a defensive employee who's validating and defending themselves and justifying their actions, right? So it becomes more about the behavior you're seeing, the situation, you're concerned about it. And then from there, it's, hey, I really do need you to step up. Here's what I would love to see differently. What could you do to make that happen, right? So the ownership is on them. Um, if if you can't, if, if you, if it's a constant conversation where you're using tools, where you truly are coaching and you're connecting and you are approachable and nothing is shifting, then, then I, I, I do talk about something I call energy vampires. I mean, it's, it's not a term that I came up with. It's certainly a term that's just out there, but I, I use it to, to think about the, the employees who are not taking accountability. Uh, they're not coachable. Maybe they're bringing a, a heaviness and a negativity to the team. We do need to consider how do these employees fit into our overall culture that we're trying to build because they can weigh the energy of, of the whole team down. And if you're using this uh, conversation model and it's not working, that is something that you may need to consider, right? So we don't want to hang on to people that, that, uh, and that are not bringing that dynamic and are easy to work with. Uh, I do recognize there are some scenarios where people can't do that. Like, uh, for example, in schools, it's very difficult, let's say, to let like a teacher go because um, of tenure and um, state rules, also in government jobs or where there's union. So they may not have the freedom to do that as like a, a private corporation or just a company in general. But for the most part, people can document conversations and show that there's been no 
no action taken after multiple conversations. And it makes it so much easier to calmly go into a conversation with that neutrality when you when you leverage this formula and you've checked in with your own emotions. So that's a great question. Awesome. I have so many questions for you. We could we could oh my God. And you and I, before we even got on, we for those of you, for everybody who's listening, we were talking forever. And then I, I was like, we have to hit record because we're, we're, the two of us can sit here and talk. And so I, I, w- I want to close out with this one question because it's just like burning on the tip of my tongue, which is, can you be good friends? And I mean good friends, um, not just friends with, with your, with your, not with your employees. Um, you know what I mean? Like, and also their boss or their, their, um, or their, your coworkers and, and, you know, like, and, and still be a good, um, boss or a good coworker and still maintain that level of what everything we just talked about, uh, and, and still maintain like an A level, um, team, uh, and, and be a chief inspiration officer. Yeah, it's so funny. I I recorded something on social media asking the same question, answering the same question. Can you be a friend and a manager? And can you can you be effective? I I think you can. I think you need to consider a few things. Uh, one is how high are your standards, and can you communicate those standards even to a friend? Can you challenge somebody to go above and beyond, even if you care deeply for them? I think the second thing is, is can you not get stuck in the, their drama, the minutiae, the details of all these little things happening, let's say in their personal life? If you can compartmentalize and you can detach from that, you can still have empathy, you can show compassion and you can still care. And it's really an end. Can you, can you still challenge them to move forward? Can you still? share with them what you're expecting? And can you still have those high standards and maintain them? If you can, then yes, you can absolutely be friends with your employee. You can, you can show that compassion. And I think it's important. I think it's important that people feel heard in the organization, that they feel like you have their back, that you advocate for them, that you listen to them, that you're invested in, in their career and in their happiness. I think these are all, um, important. Uh, so that's my answer. Yes. End. <laughs> and, and would you say to the level of like, have the family over for dinner and we can be great, like close, close friends, that level, or, uh, at what level does it stop? Like, is there a, or, or it doesn't like whatever, whatever, wherever it, stop, it stops, makes, it makes sense for you. Yeah. I think it's going to be driven by the leader's personality, right? I think, can you have somebody over for dinner and still maintain professionalism? Can you have somebody over for dinner without sharing every darkest, deepest secret, right? Um, And if you know, and you begin to share these things, can you still um, let that person go tomorrow? That's the question you have to ask yourself because if you can't, then then you have to create some sort of boundary um, where you maybe have them over for dinner, but you're, you're, it's, it's more cat. It's more focused on the small chat and 
the surface stuff, right? Uh, that's the question we have to ask ourselves is because, because our role really as a leader is for that company. It's for the revenue. That's what we're hired to do. But building the bond and the connection is how people naturally want to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. So it's, it's a delicate balance, uh, but I, I think it can be done as long as you're able to, uh, draw the line in the sand. And, you know, I, I remember having a supervisor. She had all sorts of problems, um, with a, um, a sick mom. And of course I showed care. Of course I wanted to hear when it started to get into like hearing all the hospital stuff and all the, the day-to-day drama and stress. It, my question to her still was, I know you have a lot going on. I know this is difficult for you. Can you still do your job? So I think we can show, I think we can show both. Wow. Oh, and, and mic drop there. That was just, that was such an important conversation. And I'm, I, I just know everybody's going to want to, want to hear that. So thank you so, so much. Where can everybody find you? Oh, yeah. So, um, if, you know, a few things, um, executive dash muse muse.com there's a there's a quiz on there actually it's a free quiz it's like two minutes and i think it'll answer a little bit of like that can you be a friend can you be can you be the manager can you set high standards um it it shows your strength as a leader and gives you some suggestions on how you can balance um so it, when you asked that question, I just chuckled because we were just writing like the copy for that, um, for the answer for that. So, uh, that might be fun for your, for your audience, but that's the best way. Instagram at executive muse, uh, Facebook at executive muse, of course, LinkedIn under my name, Val Reese, R I E S. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you being on here and congratulations on your book, Chief Inspiration Officer. Everyone run out and grab this book. It is going to fly so, so well. You just heard snippets, but it's just, uh, it's got packed full of just a, a lot more than what you just heard. So thank you once again. Thanks, Brian. I had so much fun. I'm glad we did this. Cheers. Thank you so much for joining us this week. If you love this episode, please subscribe. We love having subscribers just like you. Download a few more episodes. And if you feel moved, we would so appreciate a review. I'd love to also hear your key takeaway. What impacted you from this episode? You can tweet me your answer and reach out on Twitter at Brian Kramer. That's Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And definitely be sure to join us in our Facebook group. We have just under 3,000 humans just like you and me looking to connect even more imperfectly. Until next time.